The truth is, is that everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to be chosen. As a child, I grew up playing sports, and my father had me playing t-ball at a wee little age, and he put a bat and a ball in my hands as soon as I could handle a bat and a ball, and it was from there that he continued to help steep me into the life of baseball, and as I got older, I began to play from t-ball to real fast-pitch ball with all of my friends, and Uh, Having a September birthday and being in school, I was the youngest of my class, so I was always the smallest, the youngest on my team. But we lived in Lenore, North Carolina, right off of the mountain before we moved up here, and it was there that I began to play baseball, and I played it all the time. I started as a pitcher and then as um, as a shortstop, and then I was moved into the outfield to play center field. And I don't want to brag this morning, but I have to tell you I was actually pretty good As the youngest player, I was playing on an all-star team in Caldwell County and starting uh, as someone who was much younger than the rest of my peers. And then we moved here to Boone and to Blowing Rock, and I played Little League Baseball here with the Blowing Rock Rotary Team. And for two straight years, we never lost a game. I was fortunate to be chosen to play on the all-star team both years as the starting center fielder for the Watauga All-Star Team. And we were one of two teams at that time uh, that went on to play multiple games before we got beat. I loved baseball. It was something that I really enjoyed. And I continued to play it up to my freshman year of high school. Now, when it was time to try out for the baseball team, I showed up. And I also showed out. I called every ball hit to me in the outfield. Never dropped a ball once. I hit the ball almost every time I came up to bat. I got on base. I stole bases. I did everything that I could potentially do to make the team. And so after the week of tryouts, I showed up, as all the other players did, to see the roster that was printed on the door after school to see who made the team. And I expected that it was a no-brainer that I would be on that team. But when I got to that roster and I looked down at the names of those who were listed, I didn't see my own. And so I looked at it again. And then I looked at it again, just to make sure that I hadn't missed anything. But sure enough, my name was not there. Talk about humility. As I went home, my father came home, and he totally expected for me to tell him some good news. And he said, do you have any good news today to share? And I said, no, I do not. And he said, surely you do. I know that the baseball team was supposed to select their folks today, and I'm sure you were chosen. And I said, well, I've got some bad news for you, Dad. I was not chosen. And he said, well, you're just messing with me. And I said, I'm not messing with you. I'm telling you the truth. I didn't make the team. He couldn't believe it, nor could I. So afterwards, the very next week, I went to class, and um, my science teacher, my freshman science teacher, happened to be the new baseball coach who was there that year. And I asked him after class, I said, can you tell me why I didn't make the team? I'm just curious to know why it is I didn't make the team. And he told me that I wasn't a power hitter. I didn't hit the ball hard enough that I couldn't put it over the fence every time that it was hit to me. And I have to tell you, that just made things worse and more sour for me because as I was growing up and learning this game, I was always told that you don't win games based on power hitting and home runs. You win them based on getting on base. Base hits, wins ball games, so they say. 
And so in frustration, I completely gave up baseball. I never tried out again. And I didn't try it again because the rejection hurt too much. I didn't anticipate it, and I didn't want to have to go through that again. I thought that I was good enough, but apparently the coach didn't think so. You see, I find that's the difficult thing about life, isn't it? Rejection can come in so many forms. It's not just being left off the roster of a sports team. It can also be the rejection of a job, the rejection of a relationship, the rejection of being part of a group, the rejection of graduate school, where you want to go, or rejection based on your race or your religion, maybe your nationality or sexuality, or even the color of your hair. Now, as a redhead, I know exactly what that's like growing up because less than 2% of us are redheaded. And as a child, everyone always picked on the redheaded kid. So no one, no one wants to be rejected. Everyone wants to be chosen and affirmed that they matter and that they have something to contribute. So as we begin this new sermon series today on the book of Ephesians, I want you to know that today we get to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul is attributed as the author of this letter to the church in Ephesus, although there's a lot of debate over whether or not it was really Paul or a disciple of his who wrote this letter. So rather than debating the true authorship and trying to be all scholarly and all of that stuff, I'm just going to speak as if Paul wrote this letter to a church in Ephesus during this series. But it's important to know that when he writes this letter to this church, or really series of churches, that the people that he's writing to are primarily Gentiles, those who are not Jewish Christians, which makes this good news even sweeter. You see, over the summer, we've been talking about the book of Exodus. We've studied it. We've studied it all the way up to the Ten Commandments together, and we've discovered that God had chosen Israel as his special people, whom he delivered out of bondage and out of slavery in Egypt. And while we concluded our Exodus series, we stopped at the Ten Commandments, and we understand them as these rules that God gives, but really direction for life that marks these people as God's very own. This is how they will live as God's people together, and it will separate them from the rest of the world, the rest of the Gentile world, because you're a Gentile if you're not a Jew. So God gives them this new way to live that defines who they are and who they belong to, and God had chosen them not because they were deserving or because they were better than any other people, but simply out of God's grace. So Paul reminds the church of this good news, too. In fact, he begins by saying this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership, or to be children through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
You see, Paul radically states that God had already chosen the believers before the creation of the world. Apparently, God had a plan before the world was ever created. And even before sin tainted His perfect creation that God had made, God's plan involved a pursuance of a broken creation by becoming human in order to make humanity holy. And in Jesus Christ, God not only makes himself known, but he also comes to reconcile and redeem everything that's broken. So according to Paul, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. You see, God and Jesus brings unity to both Jew and Gentile. God's plan involved not only the Jews, but everyone else too. And so in Jesus Christ, there's no longer a division between Israel and everybody else. God has broken the boundaries and extended His grace beyond His own people. And so where the commandments once marked the people of God as the people of God, now the grace of Christ comes through Christ's cross and resurrection, uniting everyone, everyone under heaven in his lordship. And God, God has chosen us. God has chosen us to know his will, the great mystery of his wisdom and understanding to bring everyone together through himself. So in Christ, there is no rejection for those who trust and believe in him. Now, when I was serving as the youth director at my first church in Bennettsville, South Carolina, a small farm community, I was asked by the local private school, Marlboro Academy, to coach the girls' junior varsity and varsity girls' basketball teams. The word had gotten around in a small town that I had played college basketball, and so the local head coach, who had been doing it for a very long time, was really tired of doing it and was looking for somebody that would step in and provide some help. And so he reached out to me and asked me if I would coach. Well, being in youth ministry, I thought, well, gee, this would be a great way of connecting with kids in the local school and hopefully providing ministry uh, to students more than just coaching them. It is a private school, so I can talk about Jesus, praise be to God. So I said yes, and the rest is history. Now, keep in mind, this is important too, that when I was at Watauga High School, I had tried out from the high school basketball team every single year. Once I didn't make the baseball team, and I was rejected not once, not twice, not three times, but every single year before I walked on at Montreat College. So I decided that as a coach, that my coaching style would be vastly different than anything else that I had experienced before. We would still have tryouts. Everyone would come and try out for the team but I was not going to cut anyone who was willing to stick out that week. Now, I didn't tell them that. That would have been crazy. But I knew in my heart of hearts that that was how I was going to do it. And so 
I ran them. I pushed them hard. I wanted to see what they were capable of to see if they could endure my rigorous workouts through the end of the week. And if they were able to do that, they would receive a jersey and a place on my team. Some of the girls decided real quickly they weren't committed. They didn't come back the next day, some on Tuesday, some on Wednesday, some on Thursday. But there was a group of girls that stuck it out. And I have to tell you, a few of them were not the most skillful players that you would have on your team. Um, But they gave 150% no matter what. And I love that about them. And so they made my team. They got a jersey and got to be a part of my team. And whenever my star players thought that they were really great and that they wouldn't listen to what I told them to do, I would pull them out of the game and I would put in my bench players and I would let them know that no one is too good to play. I tell you this story because when we read Ephesians, And we read what Paul is saying about being predestined. That's a great Presbyterian word, by the way. He's not talking about God rejecting anybody. Because oftentimes when we talk about God choosing, we often think about those who are not chosen. Immediately our mind goes to, well, if God chooses some, then why doesn't he choose others? That's not what Paul is talking about here. God is saying through Paul that he chooses everybody. That he, well kind of like a basketball coach who holds tryouts, is willing to let everybody be on the team if they're willing to be a part of it. Salvation has nothing to do with tryouts or skill level or who's most deserving. I mean, God chose Israel because they were small and weak, not because they were great. He chose Moses, who was a murderer and was wanted by the Egyptian FBI to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He chose David, who became an adulterer and a murderer, to be king of Israel. He chose a sycamore fig farmer and sheep herder in Amos, a podunk farmer guy in the middle of nowhere, to be his prophet. He chose Matthew, a tax collector, a sellout to Rome, to be his disciple. And he even chose a guy named Paul, who writes this letter, who was a persecutor of the Christian church, to be his chosen instrument for the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. You see, being chosen is all about God's grace, despite our faithfulness or lack of it, or even our failures. For God's grace is greater than all our sin. And Paul is saying that God welcomes everyone to his team, all who will trust and believe, and that those who are rejected are the ones who willfully reject God. You see, this is the beauty of God's grace. It's higher, it's deeper, it's wider than we can really truly understand as human beings. God's grace is so great that Jesus died on the cross for every sinner and even asked his Father in heaven to forgive those who crucified him despite their own ignorance. You see, God isn't about rejection. God's all about inclusion. And this is the beauty of God's grace because it meets us exactly where we are. And we read this every Christmas Eve. We read it at the Moravian Love Feast, and I want to read it again to you today. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, not in a hospital bed, but in a cave where the animals are kept. He's laid in a feeding trough for animals, not in a bassinet. And the angels show up announcing this good news to shepherds who were rough around the edges and not the type of people that you really want to introduce to royalty. And yet the angels announce this news with praise. Praise. They praise God for what God is doing because they know God's plan that was at the beginning, way before the world was ever created. They're a part of this plan. They know this plan, and they praise God that this plan is coming to fruition, that everyone, everyone gets to be included in God's grace. And this is exactly what Paul begins his letter with. Praise Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Friends, God's good news is inclusion. You are chosen. You are chosen, and according to Paul, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And then he goes on to say, he's talking about the Gentiles here, and you, by the way, you Gentiles, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Just like the angels who gave praise to God for coming to redeem us when Jesus was born, we are chosen, Jew and Gentile alike, to offer praise, glory to the God who created us, who's redeemed us, and who promises that one day we will be fully present with Him forever. And so we are not rejected by God. Rather, we are chosen and blessed by God. And Paul tells us that in Him we have every spiritual blessing, that we've been chosen in Him, that we've been adopted as children into His family, that He has freely given us His grace, that we have redemption through His blood, which brings the forgiveness of our sins, that He has revealed His will for us in Christ, that we are marked with the Holy Spirit who guarantees our inheritance of eternal life, and that despite all of the, the division and the rejection and the hatefulness and the darkness that exists in this world, God is still in control and will bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. And this begins with God's church, comprised of a diverse group of believers who are all saved by the same grace. If that doesn't give us a reason to praise, then friends, I don't know what else does. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be accepted and loved and welcomed. Everyone wants to be chosen. No one wants to be rejected and treated as an outcast or scorned. For this very reason, Jesus came to include us, even though he was rejected. 
outcast and scorned as a liar and as a blasphemer. And despite his own rejection, he still welcomes all of us with open arms because his grace knows no bounds. You see, at the end of the day, I think everything comes back full circle. It comes back to praise. The angels praised God for his goodness in entering our world, for our redemption and for our salvation. And Paul begins by offering praise to God for what he's done for us and for what he will complete in us when everything is done in its proper time. Today, for us, it's up to us to open our eyes. (laughs) To open our eyes to the wonders of God's grace to know that we are chosen despite all of our faults and all of our failures. And not only that you and I are chosen, but that we are chosen by the God of the universe who loves us enough to pursue us, to invite us, to die for us, and to transform us to be holy and blameless in His sight. And when our eyes are opened to the glorious beauty of God's grace— when we truly understand what that grace means for us and what God has done for us, well, then we can offer nothing but praise to the one whose grace has included us and so many others in his life, in his love, and as a part of his kingdom family. So friends, today, my charge to you open your eyes. God's grace is right in front of us. God has made it known. He's not hiding anything from us. He has shown us this through the scriptures and through Jesus Christ. He has lavished his grace upon us. And all we have to do is accept it. You don't have to try out. You don't have to have a certain skill. You don't have to be the best. God will not reject you. He has chosen you before the creation of the world to receive nothing more than his grace. So friends, may we accept it joyfully, but in gratitude, giving praise to the God who knows us, who calls us, who redeems us, and who sends us out to share his good news. May we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.